I want to talk to you for a little while about remembering Jesus and um, the psalm that I have chosen to pick. I've been reading through psalms because we're doing a psalm series in the new year, Songs of Joy, and um, just been really ministered to from the psalms. And this psalm stood out this week in my heart and mind, and I want to read it to you, Psalm 77, 11, and 12. I don't know if you guys can add 13 as well, but it's a beautiful addition. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. The King James, which is one of my favorite translations, it says it like this. I will remember the works. Everybody say works. How many know you're a work in progress? (laughs) Some of us more than others, right? But that's not a bad thing because you're still in his hand. You need to remember that. We're still in his hand. The works that you have done, O Lord, surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And then verse 12 says, I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doings. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. And I just want to maybe encourage us a little bit to get back and, and rediscover an awe of God. Rediscover by remembering what Jesus has done for us. And I also want to dismiss the young people if they haven't left yet. I forgot to do so. So God bless them as they go. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for this moment in your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you. It's a seed sown that never returns void, Lord God, but always brings forth the harvest. We ask you to bless the hearer and the preacher and help us all to come away from this with a little bit more joy in our heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated on the last day of the year. How many have New Year's plans after this? I have, I have some graffiti poppers, and I have some, some celebration horns and things like that. They always come out for fun, but my family endures me when it comes to the new year sometimes. I just want to talk about one of the greatest things that has ever been done for you, and that's Jesus. There was a man, and I always like to start with something funny. I'm not Joel Osteen, believe me, but I do want to start with something funny. There was a man that was remembering Jesus, and him and his wife and his mother-in-law were traveling. They traveled over to the Holy Land, and uh, unfortunately, his mother-in-law passed away tragically over there of a heart attack, and he went to the funeral director. Um, of course, I'll have funeral director jokes since I am a funeral director, but he went to the funeral director, and he said, okay, got to get mother-in-law home, and he said, well, it's going to be $5,000 to fly mother-in-law home, and, or you can have her buried here in the Holy Land for $150. And she's like, he is like, well, I guess we're going to have to fly her home. And the funeral director said, "Um, did you hear me right? I said, it's $5,000 to fly her home. Or you could have her buried here in the Holy Land for $150. He said, well, we don't know anybody over here. And the only guy we know that was buried over here got up in three days, and I just can't take that risk. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that joke had payoff. It was worth the gas to come out. 
return to the awe of God. Rediscovering awe and cultivating a reverent relationship with God is not a one-time deal. You have to do this over and over again because life is fraught with tragedy and difficulties and it is easy to get bitter sometimes and even whether we want to admit it or not, it's easy to get angry with God. Has anybody ever been, don't raise your hand, but has anybody ever been in a position where you lived a short season or a longer season where you just had some anger built up over some things that had happened in life, some people that had walked away, some difficulty that you had been through, and there's no explanation for it maybe, or there's no real good reason for why things had happened in those seasons the way they happened, but somehow you turned to God and you repented in some way, you found a place where you walked back toward God because he always has a hand open. He always has his arms reaching for you and and somehow you repented of that anger because we don't deserve to be angry at God, brothers and sisters. He has a million reasons to be angry with mankind but we don't deserve to be angry with him. He did not promise us a life without pain or struggle or tragedy but he did promise us a home in heaven someday that's free from pain, suffering and there is something that he has done. He died on the cross in our substitute so that we would have his new life in heaven. He took our death away from us on that cross and I remember Jesus today. I'm excited about knowing my Savior saved me by the blood of the Lamb and I am a believer in the power of the blood of Jesus. I know that this definition of awe is so much so much more than just fear of God. It's not afraid of God but it's truly an understanding standing in scripture that the fear of the Lord is a deep reverence and awe for God rooted in love and respect not in fear or or rejection but in love and respect and so in order for you to build more awe toward God or build more fear of God in your life you have to draw closer to him and he has made the way for us to draw close to him amen somebody in the original Hebrew, awe is translated as Yerah, significantly a, a profound sense of reverence or wonder. If you want to teach your children how to stay walking with God, if you want to teach your young ones how to fall in love with Jesus, take them into nature. Take them into places where there's beauty and awe and teach them about the differences of the mind of God, the bark that's different on different trees and animals prepared and built in different ways with different systems and and some run fast and some move slower. Some have shells and some do not. Some have protection and some do not. Teach them the beauty of the mind of God in creation. And when you do that, you start to build the awe of God in your children. And when you train them up in such a way, they will not depart from the ways of God. It is so important that we know that even the work we do, even on younger generations, teaching them the wonder and the humility and the holiness and the fear of God will not return void. Even if they turn away for a season, use the awe of God to draw anyone closer to God. Recognize his greatness and goodness even in the little wins, even in the little moments. The definition and character of Jesus is so beautiful. I, I, I can't get past all that he's done. And as I've been reading in Psalms 33 and 8, it says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. 
or be in awe of him. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, you're going to get a lot of scripture today because I hope you came to hear the word of God and not any man preach to you. Let's lay down some sermonizing for a minute and just look at the word of God. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Aren't you glad about that? This is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I don't care what 2024 does or whatever happens in 2024. I'm not walking into a new year fearful. I'm walking into a new year with a new awe of the things of God and that his kingdom is unshakable. Amen. Everything is being shaken except for the things that cannot be shaken, and that is the kingdom of God. And you are in that kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. You are in God's kingdom if you're a child of God. And so we know we have an unshakable kingdom. Let us be thankful, the Bible says, that we are in an unshakable kingdom. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God, for God is a consuming fire. Amen? The only way you fight fire of this world is with fire of the Holy Ghost. You fight fire with fire. I remember I went to Alaska and I preached a sermon in 2010. It was ways back. I was digging through my garage this week. Anybody do uh, clean out on the new year? Anybody do that? Oh, I have a lot of stuff to clean out sometimes. And I, I, I was going through and I found a sermon. You know, you find sermon titles that I preached when I was really barely just a youth pastor. And I'm like, wow, I wouldn't preach that now. <laughs> That's rough. You know, like I've heard, I've heard pretty raw presentations of the lamb, but this was lamb uncooked. Okay. This was Jesus not prepared. Right. So I just like, man, did I really preach that over a pulpit? But it was so fun going back through old sermons. And I came up on a sermon called fight fire with fire. And it was about the smoke jumpers in Alaska that would fly out and they would, they would deal with wildfire that's out in the bush, you know, out in, out in places where you can't get to. And, and what they would do is they would not only dig trenches to try to stop the fire from moving, but they would actually do a, a controlled burn-off. They would burn off the fuel that the fire was headed toward to quench the fire that they could not control with a fire that they could control. Somebody help me preach. We have the fire of the Holy Ghost in our life. Amen. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire, Scripture says. So we have something that's controlled by God's spirit on the inside of us to deal with the fire that's raging out of control in this world. Amen. So I'm so thankful that I know that he is a consuming fire. I have awe for him in that, that he can help me. I was so, so interested in looking into the story of the smoke jumpers where even when they were consumed by the, the fire, they had these zip-in little pouches that they could get into and they could zip themselves in. And if they stayed in an area that was already burnt off, they would burn these areas off. If they stayed in the area that was already burnt off, they could survive the moving of a wildfire over top of the trees, over top of them. And I was blown away that, that, that they could survive a wildfire. And then I started to realize that if we would get a hold of the Holy Ghost and the fire and we would burn off everything in us that's consumable, everything that the enemy would like to hook into and pull on us as a temptation, everything that's in our life, if we would get that fire in, down in our Holy Ghost, our heart, our Holy Ghost heart and feel an awe for God so much so that we clear out the things that are burnable and we take away the things where Jesus said, even in Scripture, he, has, he can find nothing in me. I want that 
that in my life in 2024 where the enemy can try to tempt. He can try to do whatever he wants. The enemy of our soul can come, but I don't want him to find any burnable material, any temptation in my life. I want to be, I want to have cleared a path so that if there is something that burns through my season of life, I can still survive. I'm thankful that I know that I can create a clearing. Amen. In my spiritual man. Psalms 19 and 1 is where we find an awe in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Job 37, 14, and 16. Stop and consider God's wonders. It's so powerful that we find God in, in his power and his awe. He's inexhaustible, brothers and sisters. John, John 4.24 tells us he is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that spirit is that same power that created the universe, brought the earth into existence, that troubled and moved over the waters. And that awe of God that we need to have is for a power that's inexhaustible. You don't tap into him and reduce him. Do we understand that? He, does, he doesn't have a place where he's less than. And he's never, he's never less than what he can be. He's always all-sovereign, all-powerful God. And so no matter what we need from him, we don't remove something from him. We receive from him the grace and the power that we need, but he does not diminish by touching our weakness. His strength is made perfect in our weakness because he has all power. Can somebody say amen to that? So Jeremiah 32, 17 says, he's, Jeremiah is just looking at God's awesome power. He's just like, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. He starts with creation to create a greater awe and sense in himself. He says, by your great power and an outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for God. He goes in order to produce a power and an awe in his own spirit. He starts with creation, and it moves him to the point of realizing his arm is long enough to reach me and his power is not there's nothing that he cannot do there's nothing too hard for God Isaiah 40 28 do you not know have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth amen the challenge for us is losing awe we leak awe we do in fact, it's so hard to impress this next generation now. You have to have things moving at such a high pace that there's needs to be lights and this and that and everything going on, but I'm afraid that's just distraction. I'm afraid that can be just busyness. Matthew 13, 22 was talking about how the seed sown, which is the word of God, can fall on different kinds of ground. We're responsible for our soil of our hearts and our minds, brothers and sisters. We are the responsible ones to cultivate and make sure that we're ready to receive, that the seed doesn't fall among thorns or stony ground or these different forms of ground. And, and I don't have time to go into all of that, but you can have these kind of places in your life and you have to go in and you have to cultivate them and make sure that they're ready to receive from God and you still have an awe for his word. No matter who's speaking today, do you have an awe for the word of God? Do you know it's anointed before it leaves the mouth of the preacher? Do you know that it's anointed in its cover closed on your on your mantle somewhere it is anointed all by itself cuz it's god breathed amen 
It's the word of God. And so it has power. And you are producers. Did you know that? You were meant to be producers. Turn to somebody next to you. I know they hate when I do this. But turn to somebody next to you and say, you are a beautiful pile of dirt. Go ahead, say that. <laughs> you were made from the dust of the ground. <laughs> you were I know that's funny, but that's what happened at Winter Youth Convention. I was up there, and he's like, turn to everybody, tell them you're just a pile of dirt. And I didn't want to say that. I want to say beautiful pile of dirt. But you came from the dust of the ground, and the dust you shall return, Scripture says. But the reason I think is so beautiful that he formed us from the dust of the ground and then breathed the breath of life into us, which made us a living soul, is that God wanted us to know that things are going to get planted in your life, and you determine what stays and what grows and what gets removed, amen? You determine, you're a producer. No matter where you go or what you do, you're meant to produce things. And if the enemy can distract you from taking the the word of God and putting it in your life, if he can choke out that word out of your life because you have become thorny or stony ground, he will use anything he can use to remove the fruitfulness of that word in your life. You were meant to produce something. And your production wasn't for you. Your produce is for others. The fruit of the Spirit is to be seen by others and be appreciated by others so they can remember Jesus did something in your life. Making us unfruitful, that scripture says, that these kind of places in our life make us unfruitful. Then, of course, we know the story of Mary and Martha. One was busy at taking care of the menial things, and the other was at Jesus' feet. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. We know that's true. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart, their hearts are far from me. God, help us not to be those kind of people. Help us to have hearts that want to walk into the presence of God. And when the song starts, it's not about who's playing. It's not about who's singing. It's about the God who honors the praises of his people. And when we lift our hands, we lift them in awe of who he is and how he's kept us. Amen? Has anybody been kept by the Lord? God helps us. God helps us that we don't fall in love with God's stuff and not with God. God helps us. I don't preach against other religions or other churches, but hear me carefully. You can grow up in church, and you can love a way of approaching God that is religious and that has been trained into you by a life of doing things a certain way. But you have to understand that we're not here just because we like how a song is sung or just because we like how something is done or just because we feel good because we went to church this morning and it feels right within our cycle of life to go to church first on Sunday. That is not why we do it. We have to learn that God's stuff is only pointing to Jesus, and we have to fall in love with Jesus, amen? We have to fall in love with the truth of this word. The Bible says that you have to love truth. 
You can't just recognize it. You can't just have it preached to you all your life. You can't just live in your devotions in the morning and spend time with the Word of God. You have to fall in love with the truth so that you are not distracted when the things that are familiar around you point to Jesus. But we're coming in, serving him with lips and with with other things, but not with our heart. We have to make sure that we are the people that are living for God with all that we have, not just honoring him with our lips, but with our heart. Thank God he draws us near to him. Thank God he opens his arms and says, you have an open invitation. If you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. That is an open invitation no matter what's going on in your life. God will honor you if you reach for him. No matter what you feel or how hurt you are or what season you're in or if you're doing good and everything is high in your life or you're feeling the lowest you ever felt, if you lean into God and you have enough awe of God to say, God, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I'm going through this or God, I thank you for blessing my portfolio. I thank you for blessing my retirement fund. I thank you for all you're doing. Whatever it is, keep the awe of God in the center of your life in your heart because he will secure you if you always lean into him. He has an open invitation. If you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. It's not a qualifier. It's not draw nigh to me and if you take care of these things and you stop doing that, he said, I will automatically draw nigh to you. Of course, we know sin separates us from God. We have to deal with the sin in our life. Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. I don't want to deafen God's ears by my inability to have an awe and a fear and a respect for God to where I remove any sins out of my life. Work on the sins. Lean into the Savior. Work on the sins. Lean into the Savior. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to work on the sins and lean into your Savior. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace will handle any sin. Greater is he that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. That includes bringing people out. Amen? So step and regain your awe. Step toward him and regain your awe. Cultivate a prayerful heart in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Come close and present it to him. Psalms 145 and 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. That's why we teach our kids to call on the name of the Lord. That's what you're doing is remembering Jesus when you say in the name of Jesus, I bind this sickness over my baby. I bind this struggle. I bind this curse. I bind anything that stands in the way of God. You use the name because we're remembering Jesus. Immerse yourself in God's word. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. As God breathed and useful, it's useful. Everybody say useful. It's useful, it's profitable, the scripture says in King James. It's profitable for doctrine or teaching, rebuking or reproof is used there, correction or training in righteousness, instruction in righteousness in King James. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
Something happens when you open the Word of God. You don't just read it. It reads you. Amen, somebody. But God wrote himself into our story. God said, I don't, I don't want to just know you. I want to be beside you and experience what you walk through every day. There's a story that really moved my heart, and it was a boy. And he came up to the link fence, and the farmer was working on the fence, he, and he said, I heard you have new dogs. He, and the farmer was actually putting up a sign, you know, dogs for sale. He had a few of them, and he said, how much for the dogs, Mr. Farmer? And the farmer said, oh, son, I, I believe they're going to be so much more than you can afford. And, and I don't think you have enough money to buy them. And so he digs in his little pocket, and he, you know, as little boys do, and he's like, I got some money, and he pulls out like, you know, 25 cents and some lint, you know. <laughs> Can I buy a dog for this, Mr. Farmer? And, and the farmer's like, oh, that's so cute, but that, that'll never do. These, these dogs are going for $2,000 a piece. They're, they're purebreds, and, and he's like, well, 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 will this money allow me to see the dogs, see the puppies? And the farmer's like, yeah, I can do that. And so he whistles, hey, Dolly, come here, Dolly. And here comes mama out the doghouse, and here comes these little fur bundles running after her. And, here, and this little boy just sticks his face to the chain link fence, and he's just looking through. He's got the biggest smile on his face looking at those little puppies, and he's just dreaming, what if I could have one of those? And then there's this movement. After all the puppies are out and mom's coming to the fence, there's this movement back at the door of the doghouse, and out rolls this other little puppy, and he's got a damaged back leg, and he can't run like the other puppies can. So he's limping his way toward the fence, but he's way behind the others, and he's slow. And, and the little boy cheers up, and he goes, how much for that one? And the farmer goes, oh, son, you, you don't want that one. He's got a hurt leg, and he'll never be able to run with you. He'll never be able to fetch ball for you. He'll never enjoy his presence, because you'll always have to wait for him because of his damaged leg. And the little boy reached down, and he goes, I know what that's like. And he pulled his pants up. And as he pulled his pants up, there was a brace from his knee to a specially made shoe. He said, because I have a leg like that too. And he said, I want that one, Mr. Farmer. And he said, you know what? Today is a special day. You can have that puppy for free because you have something that relates to that puppy. He goes, I won't be able to run fast either, just like him, so we fit. And that's what Jesus did for us. God in all glory wrote himself into our story because he came down and walked the earth with us so he could be acquainted with our grief and know our sorrows. He could know our struggles and our pains. He's not a God that sits somewhere in the corner of the universe on a glorious throne and never knows what it's like to wake up on a Monday morning and go, work again, struggles again, troubles again, car won't start again. This, this problem that I have over and over is here again. God knows our struggles and our sorrows. And because our Lord has great love, it's, we're not consumed because he came and he walked with us. God said, I will limp through the earth with you so that I can produce a cross destination and a die for you. God from glory, come into our story. I remember Jesus today because he saved me by coming and limping along beside me. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us because the Lord is great, Lamentations 3 says. 
We are not consumed for his compassions never fail. He wanted to know you enough to come and experience the sorrows of earth, the suffering of earth, so that he could say, I'm right here. I'm with you. I know it's hard right now, but I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you. And someday you will be built by all of this because I waste nothing. I remember your miracles, David said. I remember the deeds of the Lord, and I remember your miracles of old. I wonder if we could draw close to God today just by opening our hearts as an invitation. Would you stand with me? I know we're having some light troubles in the room this morning. There's a breaker that's out, but we can still stand. And Today we're going to have communion and James said this, he said in 4 and 8, submit, or in 7, he says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I want to go into a new year with the Lord being close to me. Psalms 145 and 18 says, the Lord is nigh to them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth. Psalms 73, but if, but it is good for men to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, David said, that I may declare all thy works. Psalms 34 says, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. As the musicians come, we're going we're gonna to take communion together and I believe if you are here and, and you want to take communion, feel free to do so respectfully with us. There is no one that's barred from taking communion. You can take communion with us as long as we're respectful of what it means. Communion, of course, we, we know it's good for us to remember Jesus this way because he asked us to remember him this way. In 1 Corinthians 11, I'm jumping media team, 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25, it says, when he had given thanks, he break it, meaning the bread that we're going to receive shortly, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And remembering his gruesome death, but his beautiful resurrection, his return of mankind, his recovery and redemption of all of us, his story was written so that we would have a new ending in our story, a story of victory. And so as we're going to come today, we're, we're unfortunately going to turn on the harsh lights so everybody can see. But as we come today, we want to take of the communion and then go back. You can begin on this side, come around this way, take and then go back that way. Everyone here, come around this way, take and then go back that way. And we're going to do that in just a moment. What does communion serve to remind us of? Everybody say, remembering Jesus. We are to remember the agony of the cross, the awful price Jesus paid to save our souls. He died in our place and suffered greatly when he did. The other thing we're supposed to remember is we are to remember that he achieved of what he achieved. He paid the price of death. But three days later, he was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he is a living God. Somebody said amen. 
Number three, we are to remember his soon return, that he is coming back for us. We return, when he returns for his church, he will fully complete what he came to earth to do. Would you begin on this side and come around, Antonio, Vanessa, if you'd start, and Sister Carolyn, if you'd come this way, if you'd begin, if you'd like to take and come and get communion at this moment, and then everyone on that side, if you want to come around, you can come this way and get your communion at this moment. When we participate in communion, we are declaring and showing our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection and soon coming return of the Lord Jesus. It is a witness for those who observe it. If you just take your elements back to your seat and wait as we will all take communion together. Before we take part in the Lord's Supper, we need to search our hearts and confess and repent our sins. Psalms 139, 23, and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. 1 John 1, 9 said, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take a moment right now in prayer with me just to confess and repent to God and let him cleanse you in your heart. Jesus, we come to you. Before we take communion, we do it respectfully. Lord God, we ask you just to help us and forgive us our sins. We humbly bow our heads to you today as we remember Jesus, the cross that you bore, Lord God, that you took on yourself every sin of man and you finish the work at the cross. And today we know this does not, substance does not change. It simply represents you. And we remember you today with communion. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying, this is the body, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Take the bread, break it in your hands and take it, eat. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. We take and we drink, remembering Jesus, that he cleansed us from our sins. And we drink. Now, would you bow your heads and thank him for dying in your place, for being your substitute. Allow a moment to experience the sweet presence of God in this room as we worship him with this song. Thank you, Jesus, for leading us. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us today. Thank you, Lord, for the blood you shed.
And otherwise, we want you to know that you are blessed when you follow Jesus. Would you follow Jesus in 2024? You will be blessed if you do. And we say amen. Let it be so. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We sing that blessing over you today. As you go into 2024, we pray a blessing that goes with you to your children and your children's children. To 100 generations. He's a generational God, amen? And he touches us, not only for our family, but for every family member that's around us. So take Jesus with you into 2024, and we ask you that you leave with the joy of the Lord in your heart, knowing that he goes with you, amen? Let's thank the Lord one more time. Can we do that as we go today? Thank you, Jesus, for meeting with us, Lord God. We send everyone here today in Jesus' name with the blessing and safekeeping. Bring us through the new year as we remember you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go.